And 7.45 on a Saturday morning in beautiful CCO land. Time uh, once again for a wine chat. Normally we'd say, here's Jack Farrell, but it's Ted Farrell. Hey, Ted, good to hear from you. How are you, Denny? I am okay. Thank you very much. People asking me about the trip. You guys, you and your brother, were fantastic. Well, come on. You were no slouch yourself. No. It was a, a grand time and a good time was had by all. Wouldn't you say, well, again, I've taken a, maybe a few more trips with groups than you, but I, I don't know for sure. But wouldn't you say they were a fantastic group? We had a wonderful group. I mean, you know, it was the essence of a good neighbor group where everybody, uh, you know, gets along. Everyone played well in the sandbox together. But then the fun thing is, you know, at the end of the, when we were all done touring things, you saw, you know, fellas or different couples kind of pairing up, going yeah. out to dinner, you know, and friendships are created. It was a, a good time. It really was. And so uh, we should say, too, not only was the group good, the people that you know, uh, you and your brother and your dad know out, out there in Sonoma, that uh, they were great people, all the winemakers and the ranchers oh. and the farmers. Oh, yes. And, you know, hospitality has become such a huge industry for the, I mean, it's ironic that the hospitality side of the wine industry is probably a little bit more profitable than the actual wine side of their business. But, you know, when you have beautiful weather like that, the beautiful scenery, even though, you know, they're a little bit scarred here and there by those fires and all that, uh, you just have a, a, a sense of everyone just, they're in kind of commune with nature, but they're, you know, they appreciate people coming out. They appreciate you know, it's kind of like an artist, someone appreciating their work, because as you sit there and taste their wine, you see them kind of get a bigger smile on their face and enjoy the true pleasure that everyone had uh, trying those wines and enjoying what they have to offer. It was a great experience. And I know you you may have some other things to talk about, but I uh, I wanted to, to, to make mention that the, the, uh, the people out there, uh, like you said, you mentioned we saw we didn't see much fire activity, right? Of the result of some of the fires, you saw a l- little bit of it. But uh, were you surprised? I, I don't want to say jaded because you you get to taste a whole lot of great wine. Did you find some good stuff out there where you were there? Oh yes, uh, you know the the thing that I'm always I tell people if I'm not humbled uh, in the wine industry every day, I'm really not doing my job. And it's one of those things where. You know, uh, uh, you, you go and you see so many different, and we tried to kind of mix it all up. So you saw the big, grandiose Ferrari Carano estate, and it, you know, you could tell they made casino money because it's just like uh, Adult Disneyland. But then we visited Marietta, where, you know, you went out and you just had a nice little picnic on picnic benches, kind of swilling their wine right next to a dry river creek. You know, nothing sophisticated. You just enjoy things. But, you know, the thing that was a marvel. Uh, some of the things that I discovered uh, is uh, the rosé craze. And the yeah. rosé craze, boy, it's talk about wildfire. I mean, it's spreading all across the country. Everybody's kind of going back to rosés and truly enjoying rosés. And, you know, it is definitely a sign of springtime that, you know, the, the flowers are, the tulips are budding, the, the trees are all greening out, and it's time to put some rosé in your refrigerator no matter where it's from, because you, know, you saw throughout Sonoma, everybody had offerings of rosé that they're trying and kind of experimenting with and very happy to try. But, you know, some of the great rosé regions, like down in Provence or even the Tavel region, are wonderful wines and just delicious wines. Tavel, which is a district in the Rhone Valley, is one of is the only uh, district in all of France solely de- dedicated to making rosé wines. Now, Ted, what was... 
what was the place that we went to uh, that we sampled some uh, some bubbly? Which was that Gloria yeah. Ferrer? Gloria Ferrer, and they're very proud to making their bubbly, which is dominated by Pinot Noir. And you know, uh, it's just a wonderful wine. You know, especially like a pink rosé really marks something special, like Mother's Day coming up. You know, a little rosé for Mother's Day is always a good little fit because you know, especially a little sparkler like that uh, from Gloria Ferrer, which is nice. You know, it kind of gets the palate ready to have a little party. And we have some other rosés, like a Cremant de Bourgogne called Louis Bouillot. Uh, it's a beautiful pink cue and uh, a wonderful rosé to sit down and try and, you know, entertain mom with. You know, she, as they all say, mom drinks because she has to put up with you. So get some rosé <laughs> and, and, and enjoy. But I, I bet even you and your dad has said this, too, that would you have guessed 10 years ago that rosé would be have become so popular as it is today? But. Uh, Rosé 10 years ago was kind of considered the redheaded stepchild of the wine industry. Yeah. You know, it, it kind of got a bad reputation of being overly sweet, almost like uh, Kool-Aid, so to speak. You know, real sugary, and people just didn't like that. And then when people try uh, a well-made rosé, you know, kind of the misnomer, and that was one of the fun things uh, that we learned on the trip, is that so many people, because maybe like they have like a, a Concord breakfast grape, or the grapes they have in their lunch or whatever they squeeze and see purple juice come out of those. It's a totally different grape varietal where in the wine industry, if you have a, a red grape varietal like Pinot Noir or Cabernet, when you squeeze that grape, white juice comes out. And it's the contact with the skin that pigments it uh, to a red color. But what the rosé process is, is they only expose it for a minimal period of time. Could be hours, you know, you know, some cases it's only three, four hours, some cases maybe overnight. And that's what colors the wine to that light hue, that really delicious pink color that, you know, kind of warms you up and say, boys, it's springtime and let's have some wine. But it's the contact with the skins that turns it pink. And so, you know, it's grape varietals, uh, like a Pinot Noir, a little bit softer, a little bit delicate, but sometimes those white wines and those rosé wines, they kind of, they drink like a white wine, but they often taste a little bit like a red wine because there's a lot mm. more flavor, a lot more nuances. But those sweet wines of yesteryear in the rosé category have kind of phased away and people are just attacking those nice dry floral, uh, you know, you get notes of strawberries and raspberries, real light, refreshing wines. You know, some, a couple of folks have asked me, uh, not only this trip and previous trips, wh- how would you compare Napa, where I've never been, to, to Sonoma? How would you compare the two? Well, I would say Napa's uh, a little bit more built up. You know, Napa, you know, they're known for their big, expensive Cabernets, and it's kind of, I don't want to use the word hoity-toity, but they have a little, Sonoma's sort of the, the younger brother of the two, but Sonoma's such, it's way more laid back. You know, you still drive around and you still see a lot of cattlemen. You still, you still see a lot of ranchers. You know, yes, you have your vineyards who are basically farmers, but it's a, it's a different vibe in the sense of Sonoma is very laid back. You know, and wine country in general is kind of laid back. But Sonoma, there's still, uh, like I said, there's still some, a lot of ranchers and farmers there. It is being built up. There are some Taj Mahals here and there, but all of Napa is kind of the big showy stuff where Sonoma sort of, you know, 
placed it on the porch and rocked the chair back and forth where uh, Annika's not that way at all. Oh, good, good comparison. Uh, we're getting some text messages from some of the folks that have traveled with us. Uh, Nancy said, hi to Ted. What a great trip. When's the next one? <laughs> you know, a lot of people were asking us that, right? When is this well, next one going to happen? Yeah, right. Well, well we got to exhale a little bit, kind of, you know, get our, get our ducks back in the line. But uh, <laughs> yes. we'll have to see what the powers that be say, and we'll hopefully do something like that next year. Uh, somebody wants to know, ask Ted, uh, what vineyard did Sonoma Couture come from? What vineyard? What vineyard did it come from? Yeah. Well, they, they now Sonoma Couture was a very large, large property at the place that we visited. I believe that estate was in and around the two hundred acre range. Now they have the Couture vineyard, which is right behind the actual installation, and that one was about twenty five acres. Um, for the Couture, but then they have a couple other variations, their Le Prier and things like that. But it's a, uh, uh, the, the estate itself was about 200 acres, which if I remember right, it had about, uh, 180 under cultivation. Hmm. Yeah, that, that was, again, I, I, I've lost count and of, of, of the places we visited, but I, I can guarantee it as you can, nobody went away without tasting wine. They had so many, so many samples that uh, they, they, there's no complaints there, I'd say. Well, like we say on the bus, uh, you know, what you always need when you're tasting wine is an open mind and, more importantly, an open mouth. And, you know, you, gotta, you, know, you always got to try things. And, you know, even like the, we were talking about rosé, you know, there's somebody that, you know, always a little skeptical. Go, you know, I don't like those rosés. And all of a sudden they taste it and they're like, hey, this is pretty delicious. And that's where you keep that open mind of always giving something a try, even though you might have had it a hundred times before. And, you know, maybe there's a new technique that somebody's using or, you know, new vinegar, uh, they, they harvested their grapes in a different way or they trellised them so they really extract the fruits. You know, because like uh, even Merlot is kind of getting a renaissance a little bit. People are going back to it, even though that movie Sideways about 15 years ago scared everybody and their mother away from Merlot. But people are kind of going back to it and trying it again. So always keep an open mind and an open mouth, Danny. Absolutely. I live by that, more, maybe more than I should. But what uh, some folks are even asking me, and I, I'm not sure, again, you said, like you said, we just come back, we've got to get our ducks in a row. Some folks are interested in a CCO Good Neighbor Tour, a wine tour, mind you, to Europe. I thought that'd be fun. Oh, it'd be terrific. And there's so many regions. The one thing you'll kind of notice with you, if we you know, put uh, something like that together, Europe is probably about 10 to 15 years, even 20 years behind the United States in sort of the vino tourism aspect of their uh, wines. You're seeing Bordeaux kind of grab onto that a little bit more than others. But, you know, before, you know, they always thought, well, it's a, it's a farm. Why would anybody want to come out here? You buy your wine in the, at, the, at the market. You don't buy it. Or you, why would anybody want to come out here? So that vino tourism is a little bit behind uh, what America has to offer, but there's still a lot of places that are very interesting, whether you're in, down in the caves at Bouchard in the town of Bone, which are built right into the parapets of that medieval city, or if you're out in those lovely chateaus uh, in the Maydock, or even the walking the gardens, as they call it, in the Loire. There's a lot to do and a lot to see. So we'll see. We'll see if we can't get our research team to plan some of this stuff. And in the meantime, Ted, great chatting with you. Thank you, Brother Bo. Uh, and uh, we'll talk. I assume we're going to talk to your dad next week, right? 
Well, currently he is in the Loire Valley. Oh, well, we'll see. His granddaughter was studying abroad in Paris, and he just kind of looked across the pond and said, what a good opportunity to go visit my granddaughter and maybe show her uh, around the vineyards and who knows, hopefully. Oh, great. You never know, maybe he'll bite and she'll join the industry with us. All right, excellent. All right, well, Ted, we'll have another show next week, but in the meantime, why don't you tell us, if you would, about what's going on at Haskell's? Well, there's always something going on at Haskell's. And, you know, if you're looking for those rosés for Mother's Day, Haskell's is the place to stop in and shop. We can't prepare everything for uh, your your Mother's Day event. But, you know what, the wine and some rosé would definitely help out. And there's a Haskell's location nearby you anywhere in the metro area to take care of any of your wine needs. We have a Haskell's in downtown Minneapolis. We have a Haskell's out in Minnetonka. Haskell's in Highland Village. Haskell's in Bloomington. We also have Haskell's right in downtown Excelsior. So if you're adventurous and you're out fishing, stop by the Haskell's in Excelsior. But we also have a Haskell's in Woodbury, White Bear Lake, down in Faribault. If you're down south, we also have a Haskell's in Chanhassen and Plymouth. And if you want to see our super seller, uh, go up to Maple Grove. And you know what? If that isn't enough, you can always stop by Haskell's.com or swing by the WCCO website, the WCCO backslash wine and you'll find anything that we have going on at Haskell's. And a beautiful weekend to do that. Uh, Ted, great chatting with you. Thanks again for all the work you and your brother did on our trip, and we'll plan another one. What do you say? 10-4. I think it's a plan. All right. Thanks, Ted. Ted Farrell filling in for Dad Jack here this morning on the Wine Chat on CCO.